1: This is what we call a three technique. This is what we call a three technique.
0: On the ride with Royce.
1: Three to shoot. That man never out of sync. Andre Jackson. The Ramblers pull off the upset 65
2: 59.
1: All right. You know what we're doing today, boys? What? We are teaching sports. I love this. We are teaching sports. Uh, Loyola Ramblers last night upset Florida in Gainesville 65-59. Andre Jackson, the guy you just heard about, he had 23. It was the first time that uh, Loyola had defeated a team that was a top 25 team since 1994, I believe I saw that stat. But what neither of you guys know is the Loyola Ramblers were the nineteen sixty-three NCAA Come on. basketball champion. Come really? on. And uh, their star was Jerry Harkness, and they defeated Cincinnati 60 to 58. Now the big O was gone. Sure. But Cincinnati was the two-time defending national champion. And Loyola defeated them sixty to fifty eight.
0: So back then uh, Cincinnati didn't rebuild; they just reload.
1: They uh, Cincinnati Holy did They just rebuild. But uh, George Ireland was the coach Loyola uh, in Chicago, and I don't even think they were in a conference. I think it was they were an independent back then, so they got invited as an independent. They used to invite eight or nine independents, most of them from the east, but. Uh, they 1963. They beat Tennessee Tech, Mississippi State. They beat Tennessee Tech 111 to 42. Mississippi Ooh. State, Illinois uh, had to be the Big Ten champ because he only took champs back That's right, then. Yeah, Duke. They beat Duke. Hey, <laughs> 94 75, and then Cincinnati. But uh, then 1964, they're back in. Uh, they got beaten in the Sweet 16 by Michigan, 84 to 80. Uh, 1966. Uh, they were in again and they lost to Western Kentucky 105 86. And you know who was the star of that Western Kentucky team? Clem Haskins. Oh, wow, Clem Haskins. They went again in 1960. Clem could shoot. It, I was by just the gonna way. say, I remember Clem you telling could us that, shoot it. yeah, mm. Clem could shoot it. Now, Clem could coach defense. He just couldn't play it. <laughs> but he coached defense. <laughs> he coached the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. He was an observer. <laughs> you
0: know,
1: 1968, uh, they got beat in the tournament. They were been, they've were they been in one once in the last 50 years. Uh, in 1985, they uh, actually lost to Georgetown in the Sweet 16. But Loyola— now, here's the good news. Their coach, i got to do this, too. This is going to be a little long here. i got to get moving. Peter Moser is their coach, and he's been there seven years, but he's a disciple of, come on, where is it? Which
0: coaching tree does he where fall from?
1: It? Rick Majerus. Wow. Oh, Rick Majerus. Where is it? Well, damn it, I lost the story, but the I, I ran into a story on Peter Moser. Uh, Porter Moser, excuse me, Porter Moser. And he was talking about Majerus and the kind of guy he was, and he's talking about they were in Richmond for a game when they were in St. Louis together. And he walks in, and there's a, a, a six foot, three hundred pound uh, por, uh, porter, uh, a uh, you know bellhop there, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's an African American gentleman, and uh, Rick Majeris walks over to him and says. Uh, Hey, uh, sir, what is the best, what is your favorite barbecue joint in Richmond, Virginia? And the (laughs) gal, the white gal behind the uh, counter, uh, you know, at the front desk says, Oh, Mr. Majerus, glad to see you. Uh, And and I could recommend a restaurant. And he said, he held his hand up and said, "Uh, thanks. Thank you, ma'am. But. When I'm looking for a rec- rec- restaurant recommendation, I'm look. i going to talk to a guy that looks like him, yeah. not like you. <laughs> <him. laughs> that's awesome. So anyway, that's the coach.
0: One of the enduring questions is, why did Ron Meyer leave then? He left behind
1: a national championship caliber team. I thank each and every one of you for your support and your loyalty, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to have a, a great job uh, Ron Meyer has died, and uh, uh, we found out why he left. The big mystery, why would he leave? Well, the death penalty was about to come yeah, down. That uh, little we, thing. He was, uh, he's very big in that wonderful uh, 30 for 30 on that. Ended up uh, coaching the uh, Patriots and the Indianapolis Colts. Was actually a hell of a football coach. Started at UNLV uh, when they were uh, in Division Two. Uh, had a good year, moved to SMU in 1976, and brought the Mustangs to natural national prominence with the help of running backs Eric Dickerson and Craig James. Uh, and uh uh, and uh, Eric Dickerson said, I'm devastated to hear the passing of my coach and great friend Ron Meyer. My mom and I love Coach Meyer. He was a great man. And, of course, they all loved him because they were, getting, they were paid. getting paid. But, right. <laughs> uh, SMU football. Meanwhile, they lost their coach, Chad Morris, uh, who went to Arkansas, even though he's, what, 14 and 21 or something was his record at SMU. Oh, wow. Mm. And that is how bad— uh, of event uh, about how bad SMU football has become in the in the uh, area of interest because uh, they they didn't make the cut for the Big Twelve. They took TCU and Baylor instead of SMU, and that left uh, SMU and the, they were in the whack for a while. They've been out of the uh, the, the you know the, the Big Twelve came into existence. In uh, 1995, and SMU wanted to get in it, and they didn't get in it, and uh, it's been a week of football ever since.
0: They're down in six. Uh, Peppers, Julius Peppers, coming through 5th all-time leading sacker in the history of pro football gets another sack right there. Uh,
1: Julius Peppers will be facing the uh, Vikings again on a Sunday uh faced him of course often with Green Bay and uh the guy's amazing. He's got a bunch of sacks again this year. They only use him on third downs, but he's I think it's more amazing to see him still rushing the passer at age thirty seven yeah. than it is to see Terrence Newman still playing halftime at uh you know, as a as a defensive back for the Vikings. But they're the two oldest defenders in the, in the, league. the NFL. Yeah. And uh-huh.
0: Julius Peppers historically has owned the Vikings. Every Mm -hmm. time they've gone up to it, whether it's Green Bay or Carolina or or Chicago, he has always performed well against the Vikings. Yeah. Is he this had eight year? and a half this yeah. year? Yeah, sounds about right. He's an yep. absolute he's freak an only, of only nature. He only has to play
1: on third down now. So, uh, yep. And the Packers, they didn't even use it. They had him playing a linebacker there for a while. In a 3-4, yeah. I don't think it'll. you have to debate
0: too long whether you're going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, he'll day. be there. What I find amazing, too, is how good of a basketball player he was at North Carolina. Uh, yeah, Carolina he was yeah. good. He was in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Dean... Uh, you know, you think
1: Dean could have won with him, huh? <laughs> like he did with Michael Jordan and uh, Sam Perkins and James Worthy, <laughs> right, and uh, who else? Jimmy Black and uh, Matt Doherty. That team that won. All right, we'll be back. Kevin Seifert.
0: You're on the ride with Royce. Me hey, too fast. It should be illegal. Just
3: <laughs> too fast. On fifteen hundred. ESPN
0: talking Purple with Kevin Seifert today is presented by Mystic Lake. Calling all football fans. Don't miss Thursday Night Lights all season long at Mystic Lake. You can find the details online at mysticlake.com.
3: Talking Purple
0: right now on the ride with Royce. Kevin Seifert from ESPN. It's Kevin Seifert. Here with Kevin Seifert. We have ESPN's Kevin
3: Seifert. It's ESPN.com's NFL Nation reporter, Kevin Seifert. Presented by Mystic Lake.
1: Kevin it's not looking good for uh Brian Shazir, the uh, great uh, Pittsburgh linebacker, uh, spinal stabilization surgery, and uh, that's not uh, that's that's a little frightening.
4: Yeah, and I was you know obviously neither one of us are doctors, we don't know you know the details of it, but when if you judge it based on the um, the shortness of the yes. press releases that are being put out, it's concerning. And you know if they had better news to report they would be reporting it and the fact that they're just today I think it was a one sentence thing saying he had surgery to, for spine stabilization that's concerning and you put that in combination with his dad um, you know, doing a fair amount of tweeting about praying for his son and all that and, and you get the idea that at the very least there's some very serious things uh, being worked on on him in the hospital in Pittsburgh and so don't know the way it's going to go uh, but Clearly, if if there had been dramatic progress since he was wheeled off the field, uh, they would have told us about it.
1: Uh, Kevin, uh, the uh, NFL, because of PR like this and other things, even though this has nothing to do with targeting, uh, apparently is headed in that direction to uh, uh, call targeting uh, penalties and and eject people from the games. My problem with the way the colleges do it is that – They always do it with the assumption that it was targeting. First of all, they're overly generous in throwing the flags, right? Yeah.
4: yeah. And
1: then it's always with the assumption that the benefit of the doubt always seems to go that, well, they called it targeting on the field, so we can't really see 100% it's not targeting, so we'll call it. I, I, I wouldn't see anything wrong with the NFL doing that. But I think they have to uh, have a little more objective look at it than they're getting in the uh, colleges.
4: Yeah, and the problem is the NFL uh, replay um, philosophy is supposed to be the same as what you're sure. referring to for college, which was only correct the obvious mistakes. And so um, it's, it's really hard at full speed to see you know, whether a guy um, truly made contact above the shoulder. And so you say, okay, well, that you know, we'll look at replay to, to make sure. But if the if the replay philosophy is only to correct it if it's a clear and obvious mistake, then you're going to have a lot of gray area. My, I'm not convinced the NFL is going to do this. Um, number one, uh, they don't have their, in their replay system. They don't take into account any judgment calls, no uh, pass interference, no holding, yeah, yeah, um, right. and and no, no defenseless player hits. And so. This would be a tremendous philosophical change for them for it to be on replay, and you can't do it without replay. So that that's one big thing. And the other thing is the NFL does not like to uh, to eject its star players from the games. They want them on the field. Uh, there's been more ejections this year, but they've all been for fighting and for uh, non n- contact with officials. It, there's been no ejections this year for he- hits above the, the shoulder, dirty hits, whatever. Even Rob Gronkowski was not ejected last week, so <laughs> that's another huge philosophical change the NFL would have to absorb. So I'm not convinced they're going to do it. But if you ask somebody in a pub who's speaking publicly, "Hey, are you going to talk? Are you going to consider a rule that might keep players safe?" Then yes, uh, they're going to say, "Yes, of course, we're going to look at it this offseason." And so we'll see if they do or not. Uh, may, it would be a major, major change for the way the NFL does business, but maybe after games like the other night, they don't they might not feel like they have a choice. They might feel like they need to make a more dramatic step to try to keep um players from from hitting each other in that way
1: yeah and it's more cheap shots than uh i mean that that game was more cheap shots than oh, actual yeah. targeting i mean that was just okay well, how can we hurt each other here so yeah, I, I, yeah. I i think once the philosophy becomes that you're not going to worry about a targeting penalty and an ejection you've you've gone off the deep end in a game that uh it's easy to go off the deep end in which
4: is so weird because you think of colleges as having these great rivalries, and you know, you know, yeah. Michigan, and Ohio State hate each other, or USC, UCLA hate each other. You know, different SEC teams. The NFL is there's the fans hate each other, but yeah. there's not many <laughs> rivalries where people actually go into it more primed to than they are in any other game uh, from, from a player perspective. And even this week, Ben Roethlisberger was talking about how Steelers Ravens is really kind of calmed down. Um, and it's yeah. really only Steelers uh, Bengals now that has any sort of raised, uh, legitimately raised ire um, amongst the players. And you saw what, how that translates. So we'll see. And in the college, uh, we pulled some st- stats for the college targeting rule and, they, there was more panel, more targeting calls last year than any year since they started. So, if the idea was to try to create an environment where over time players are and coaches are understanding how to operate in that situation, it has not worked. Um, maybe that's harder in college where the guys roll in and out faster, but. Um, I'm not even sure if you could say it's been a success in college.
1: Uh, do you think Hugh uh, Jackson should believe it when the Browns tell him he's going to be coach next year? No. I mean, they, I think that they, I
4: mean, they they went to a relatively dramatic step of putting that in the press release. Yes. You know, it was such, Sashi Brown fired as yes. general manager, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, but Hugh Jackson returned in 2018. Uh, you know, if they somehow convince some big time GM or a Peyton Manning or somebody yeah. like that to come in and they say the only way I'm coming in is if I can hire my own coach maybe I'm guessing they <laughs> eat that contract but um, otherwise uh, you know and that would probably be the, the number one way in which the commitment today gets reneged but uh, for the, it would be par for the course for the Browns to, to realize they need a, 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 a different type of general manager and then to go try to hire somebody and say oh by the way you got to keep the coach
1: yeah, hey, uh, Libby gave Bill Livingston gave us this stat the other day. The Browns are four and forty-five, right. going back forty-nine games. Now they've only won one in two years. Four and forty-five yeah. in the modern NFL—that's impossible.
4: Yeah, you have to really work <laughs> at that. And you know, the the weird thing is that you know I, I haven't gone through each game, but there haven't been a ton of games where they've just gotten blown out of water. They've lost some somewhat close games, but they're just, like, clearly some – it's a reminder that even the worst teams in the NFL can compete for three quarters and really the fourth quarter is where uh, the good teams can pull away. But um, it's it's been – I mean, you you, you say last year, two off-seasons ago, they come up with this – newfangled idea of the way yes. they want to structure the front office they hire hugh jackson <laughs> and they win one of the next 28 games
1: and then and then fire the new guy who's there for the long term to create this new structure yeah, and it's like
4: and, and and i don't know that i mean you there's certainly no evidence that it was going to work but like if you commit to something like that <laughs> that requires like fundamental overhaul of everything that you do and you're you you do not even wait until uh you know you it's it's almost like somebody put it in on an ESPN story today that you're, you're waiting on a long line for a roller coaster, and they didn't even wait till they got to the front of the line to get on the roller coaster <laughs> before they before they decided to leave the line, and so now they go back to the back, and so it's uh, there's uh, you know there's there's uh, it's terrible if you're a Browns fan if you're Mark Craig you know there are yeah. there there are Browns fans out there. Uh, yeah. you have a right to just be completely bamboozled and
1: depressed. Kevin Seifert's with us at ESPN.com. Kevin, uh, we were just talking about Julius Peppers. That is quite a career, and he's still going at 37. Yeah,
4: and he's playing more because of the Charles Johnson mention. Uh, yeah. And so it's uh, you know, he always was just the freakish of, of athletes. I mean, I think underrated because he's such an understated personality, but you know, you for, people forget about the, the amount of that's when I first saw him was as a basketball player in college. You know, mm-hmm. he played he played bad. He was like his bruising power forward in, uh in and in for UNC in college basketball. And then it turns out, oh yeah, this kid plays defensive end too. And it turns out he's a uh, you know, potential Hall of Fame NFL player and still going strong at thirty seven. And like, if you can at all get after the passer, there's going to be a job for you in the NFL until your until your legs can no longer carry you.
1: Uh, we've been talking about it this week. Uh, you hold the uh, the red Hot, the Falcons who thought they had their offense figured out to three field goals, and uh, you hold the Rams to seven points uh, when they came in here as the uh, offensive juggernaut of the league. Uh, that is some serious defense our local fellows are playing.
4: I mean, again, you know, it's you make a list of all the, the best assets in the NFL, and yeah, it's hard you said, to find. I- it's hard to find one that's better than the Vikings' defense um, on either side of the ball, individually or collectively. I mean, they, you know, and then you know they match; they've matched up pretty well against Carolina um, in the times they played Cam Newton as well. And so they, you know, that that could potentially be another notch in their belt. to go down to Carolina and shut down Cam Newton if they can do that. And so it's just it's been remarkable. I mean, it's not. And they don't play the style that draws attention like a 85 Bears or the Ravens, you know, of the Ray Lewis era. But they just choke people. And, uh, and, it's, and it's gaining momentum. I think people are understanding it by the results. But it's not always the flashy plays that draw the attention. But the results have just been incredible.
1: Hey, uh, when did you uh, start covering the Vikings for the Star Tribune? Nineteen ninety nine. So, uh, did you deal with Ray Anderson then, as yeah. uh, Denny Green's uh, agent, as yeah. the uh, pressure was mounting on Denny there?
4: Yeah, he you know to the extent he would deal with us, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we did. You know, probably more after he went to the NFL. People forget. He's, so he's Denny Green's agent, a lot yeah. of guys. Herm Edwards' agent, a lot of guys. Then he goes to the NFL, and he basically was in the Troy Vincent job. He was like the number one. That's right. Football level. Guy in the league, you know, and he was um, eventually moved on. But he, I mean, he's had quite a career, and now he's in he's in Arizona at Arizona State and creating like an NFL front office, <laughs> that for, is, uh... as he described it. So we'll see if that works. You know, I, I'm all for people trying to do things differently, and you know, and God forbid if the if the college football purists don't like the idea that we might have a general manager, you know, or general manager uh, structure, front, it might be different than what we're used to doing. So I'm all for him trying to shake it up. But I, um, it, it has been quite a varied career for a guy to go from <laughs> a player agent to an NFL executive to a college athletic director. And
1: you're not one of the hotbeds of uh, college football, and you just paid a guy $12 million to leave so you can have yeah. your experiment to bring in Herm. Right? That is, yeah. uh, I think you're walking the plank right there, Ray, if this well, doesn't work. And, his,
4: and the rhetoric was pretty strong. It was yeah. you know, seven and five is not good enough at Arizona State. Well, like, how much better is it going to I mean, like, what you know, yeah. is it going to be 11 and one every year? That's the only way you're going to, you know, I mean, I realize you go for the best, but like, to, to basically to say to the next guy that, you know, you, you can't do anything, you'll be a failure unless you go 11 and one at, uh, at Arizona State, that's a tough message.
1: Uh, thank you, sir. Talk to you next week. Okay, Patrick. Okay, Kevin Seifert, uh, ESPN.com, the NFL Nation blog, uh, does uh, fine work there. And uh, we appreciate having him on Thursdays. We shall return with John Hyke.
3: Here's Johnny Height <laughs> for the sports update. This update is sponsored by Taco Bell. So easy to dip, so hard to put down. Rolled chicken tacos are back. Shredded chicken all rolled up with your choice of dips only at Taco Bell. Quiet on the local front this evening. The only team playing is the Gopher uh, women's basketball team. Eight and one Gophers. They are out on the East Coast where they will be playing the Georgetown Hoyas. Vikings play the Carolina Panthers this Sunday. Uh, Yesterday we found out apparently the Vikings did make a healthy contract offer to nickel cornerback Captain Munderland, and apparently it wasn't enough. Munderland telling Panthers beat reporters yesterday he left millions on the table to sign with the Panthers this offseason. Mutterland reportedly signed a four year deal with Carolina this season worth $21 million, and that included a $6 million signing. Well, bonus. So he didn't like
1: us? He hated us up oh, here? Yeah, well, he left millions, he Well, says. wasn't that his original team? Yeah.
0: Carolina? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well. They Boy, they're really it. missing him on the Vikings defense. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good yeah, point.
1: You want to uh, <laughs> sit down there, and I guess Cam Newton's charms were
3: too much to give up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Preparations for the. Tr- <laughs> 2019 NCAA Final Four Men's Basketball what? Championship officially. We don't give
1: a damn. They start tomorrow. We got the Patrick. Super Bowl tomorrow. They Let's start. get the damn Super Bowl out of the way
3: before we worry about this other thing. Tomorrow, the Minneapolis Final Four Local Organizing Committee—that's the <laughs> official <laughs> title—Minneapolis <laughs> Final Four Local Organizing Committee will unveil the logo for the tournament. Minneapolis, to be held in. what is that again? John? Minneapolis, Minneapolis Final Four. Local Organizing Committee.
0: Now, excuse me, uh,
3: Senator, Nufloch. if you are appointed,
0: <laughs> if you are appointed, uh, what
1: Nufloch will you do? can kiss Senator Rice's big fat rump.
3: They love. We have you on record. Sorry. Let's get
1: the Super Bowl over with, for God's sakes, you, you idiots!
3: They're going to unveil the logo. Uh, oh, logo the logo for the tournament. Yeah. Now, not all politics. Is it going to involve a basketball? <laughs> <laughs> not all politicians agree with the future senator Royce. In fact, Governor Mark Dayton is expected to attend the launch tomorrow.
1: Uh-oh, I need him on my side. Yeah. I guess I'm okay with now this. Now you're back. Now, <laughs> yeah, you're, now back.
3: you're back. <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, Richard Petino will also attend the University of Minnesota men's basketball coach. Of course, as you Patrick. You know what I got to do?
1: Huh. I got to get a hold of the prompter for Dayton. <laughs> So I can just put my when he goes to make the announcement, <laughs> I'll just put my name on there and he'll just read it, right? Well and you'll not be the senator.
3: You'll do it ding ding style though. You'll cross off whose name name there is <laughs> just right. scribbling racist. He just he just read
1: whatever's in front of him. I think it'll work.
3: As uh Patrick. I like how fast you you change your mind though. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, no. uh, that's Why nice. are we
1: doing this, Johnny? Well, we got li- we got it's only two months to the damn Super Bowl, and then we can worry about uh-huh, it.
3: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I understand. We need more committees. Oh, yeah. By the f- way, the final... <laughs> the final four... Same to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the final four and the Super Bowl organizing committees have been meeting oh, to okay. compare notes and align okay. schedules, All even right. though everything's a year apart. So, uh, The Olympics, uh, there's uh, some question... Whether or not U.S. athletes will be going to be That came out of nowhere she yesterday, by the
1: way, that we might not go to
3: the yeah.
1: Olympics. That came from Sarah whatever. That, no, it came I from... I thought it was Lindsay. Nick.
3: Yesterday, was Nikki Haley it came Nikki. from. Oh, oh, that's she's right. Nikki, She's the ambassador Haley, to yeah. the United Nations. She made the announcement saying no final decision has been made. At today's White House press briefing, though, Sarah Sanders said there's still no decision on whether or not U.S. athletes will attend the Olympics. And where you got confused, Chris... Uh, Lindsay Vaughn, getting political yes. when asked about the oh, Olympics. Okay. okay, She uh, said she's not going to go see Trump if she wins a gold medal. That's right. She said she would hope to represent the people of the United States, not the president. Let me,
1: let me make this statement.
3: Yes. And don't consider it to be sexist. Oh, boy.
1: Nikki Haley is easily the best-looking U.N. ambassador we've ever had.
3: I don't consider that sexist at all, Patrick. (laughs) Not at all. best-looking.
1: You know what we got to do? Get her a ponytail and a baseball hat, and she'd really look
0: good. (laughs) That's a great one. (laughs) Now, that might have been a little sexist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Every time I I see her, she reminds me of the— the the spokesman for the the spokesperson for the Minneapolis cops there for a few years. Oh time. yeah.
3: Well, yeah. you cannot get her out of your no, mind. No, I know.
1: I used to pray for murders. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <gosh.
0: laughs>
1: so, well, wow. so we could see her on well, the news. Wait, 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 Senator. To, to <laughs> clarify,
0: Senator, <laughs> no, I'm against you, them. Met, you met murders just in Minneapolis, uh, well, right? Was no, she the Minneapolis? Yeah. Yeah, she, she was, was Minneapolis. Yeah.
3: Yes. Well, wow.
0: no, I wanted him to survive
1: murder attempts. Like. There you murder go, attempted, attempted. You attempted go. Go. murder, murder <laughs> attempts,
3: failed assassination. Those were fun, Whew, man. She was cute. Uh, those were fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, baseball trade: Mariners have acquired D. Gordon and one million dollars in international slot money from the Marlins. They give up infielder uh, Christopher Torres and righties Nick Niedert and Robert Duger. Ooh, those guys. We were looking at sample lineups uh, for Seattle. Because we're dorks, it, be, it could be pretty salty. And yeah. by the way, one
1: other trade today: Okafor gets traded to Brooklyn. That's right. Yep. And they had to give up like assets to get rid of Okafor. You're kidding? How is it possible that the Timberwolves didn't take Okafor instead of Because that's a, that's I a mean, total it was, Timberwolves it would have move. hundred percent
0: Timberwolves. And remember, flip. For loved, he loved Jaleel Okafor for while, over Towns, yeah, he, and then he, he saw Towns work out, yeah, and then he yeah. changed his mind. No, the only uh, thing that would have made it more Timberwolves, if they would have drafted Towns, then traded him, him for Okafor, for Okafor. Okafor. Yes. to get another second-round draft choice that we could then sell to somebody
1: yes. for 50000 <laughs> Bring back Mr. Cotton. All right, thank you. You bet. Jerry Zagora covers the Timberwolves for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. How was the trip to the L.A. airport this morning, sir?
2: Well, I got there about uh, 3 a.m., so okay. it, wasn't a, it wasn't a problem. I oh. went straight from the I went straight from the arena to the airport and hung around, and waited for a 6 a.m. flight. Well, that's uh, probably so, a
1: good move considering. Uh, so what? The flames. Where where do you see the flames as you're going out to the airport? Is it is the whole horizon there? Uh,
2: no, uh, you know, I didn't see any flames, but you could see smoke. I mean, uh, the wolf shot at uh, UCLA yesterday morning, and um, uh, it, it had sprung up overnight. And, uh, until then, it had been up in Ventura, mostly in North uh, Santa Clarita. And uh, they said that when I was leaving for shoot, I was staying at the airport, and it was like normally it's probably twenty minutes. It took me an hour and forty five minutes. Wow. Uh, one, because the 405 was closed. Yeah. I didn't want to get on it because I didn't want to get stuck in a parking lot. So I just took all the side streets all the way up through Beverly Hills. And those were all crowded. just snarled everything. And I got to UCLA. And usually there's a parking garage right by the gym where they, they practice. And usually you can't even find a parking spot. And There were all kinds of them. I couldn't figure it out. And I realized they canceled classes. And canceled <laughs> the game. And wow. it's, it was in Bel Air. So it was like uh, they had roadblocks up all over campus. It was probably... A, a mile or two away, you could see, you could see the um, the smoke at night. I'm sure you could see the flames, but during the day you couldn't. And uh, I just wanted to get. To, I was going to uh, stay a day or two, but I just wanted to get out there as fast as I could, just because it, it, uh, you never knew when the next one was going to pop up and what it was going to do for for traffic when you, you're rerouting. A, Millions of people, it's a it's a nightmare.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. So the uh, Timberwolves get uh, between sixteen and twenty three points from all five starters, and uh, there was a time when we had a little lower standards for the Timberwolves. We all, we always said, "Well, that was a nice balanced attack," but now everybody's paranoid about minutes and uh, and uh, everything else. Nobody nobody back here is uh, happy about this victory. I don't know how the Timberwolves felt about it.
2: Yeah, or, or, you know, I, I guess that's the the, the um, what comes along with high expectations because nobody, you know, any other year, no one would be complaining about being 15-11, and 11, would they? And the uh, the sky is falling. They're, they're playing too many minutes. And, uh, you know, they certainly haven't put it together yet. Now yep. the question is whether whether they will, whether, you know, in January or February they're, they're going to figure out. You talk to all the people in the NBA, you know, ask Doc Rivers about it. Yeah. Uh, for the game last night. And they also think they will. The question is how long does it, uh, how long does it take? And, uh, um, you know, basically how long does it take for guys like Townsend and Wiggins to start playing defense and then for them to figure out kind of a pecking order and who gets the shots and when they get them. And, uh, I mean, all you have to do is look at Oklahoma city. They're still struggling to figure it out too. So it doesn't, it doesn't always come overnight, but, uh, um, what were you like 25, 26 games in? I'm not even, not even sure if it'll come in a, a half a season, but, uh, but we'll see. I mean, they've had, uh, you know, the four games over five and they've had a bunch of games that they should have won you. you yeah. The the Memphis game was horrible.
1: So. Yeah, that was bad. So, uh, Tibbs was a little testy uh, with your uh, what seemed like a uh, routine question last night. What, what gave him the uh, prickly neck? Do you know?
2: Did you, did you see the video? I'm not sure if yeah. that was my question. Maybe I'm just annoying. But, um... <laughs> There, there was something. There was something in his bonnet before that. I don't know if okay. it was the th- things that have been written, or just that he'd been asked all about it. I know he'd been asked about it on uh, after the Memphis game because um, I know of uh, The big happy, my colleague Kent Youngblood, he yeah. had asked him about the, the number of shots. And there, there have been some games this year where um, I can't remember the exact game, but in the last ten days, where um, Collins had, you know, maybe was fifth on the team in shots taken uh, in games and and a lot of those games, you know, he doesn't seem real animated unless he, or real energized unless he gets, gets the ball and gets, gets going early. So I just asked him that. And he, uh, it was, it was one way to uh, end a press conference, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> and, uh, well, the funny thing is, it could have been answered reasonably. Because, well, one reason being that Memphis double teamed him with Mark Gasol, and uh, and that was not an option for the Clippers. Yeah. He, he could have uh, used that as an answer, but he was obviously testy. Uh, so well, he
2: to- used that a couple times before. Maybe it was just a repetitive question that, that mm-hmm. got him, because uh, they did say, you know, they, they, you know, they'll get the ball, they'll get shots um you just got to make the right play and you, you you let come what the uh what the game gives you so
1: hey dad uh now butler i guess Marnie, said something about we got to talk to Tibbs about these 40 minutes but then he kind of uh, laughed about it uh did you did and that of course everybody has seized upon that do you think uh you know you got 3 days off play as many minutes as you got it to win the game right
2: well, I took that, I mean, I wasn't there, but I, from what I saw, I, I took that as sort of a, thumb in your know, that all the people say now they're playing them too many minutes. I, I didn't think it was an indictment of Tibbs. I, I think it was kind of wry, and, uh, um, you know, I think it was kind of a poke at the people who were making a b- big deal about it. But Certainly that is an issue. I mean, you can't sustain this uh, playing seven no, no. guys the, the way they, they are, at least not now. It's funny, I talked to a scout before the, during the game last night from um another team and they you know they said uh, um they don't think it's even a question whether the Wolves will make the the playoffs but it said, you know, they're they're a team that's gonna Probably scares somebody pretty good in the playoffs when you you're you know you're playing every other day or every third day and uh, you, you can go that short and uh, you know still get guys rest like the regular season. So
1: so what's uh, Belly's deal here? I mean, what are they trying to get this, get it to calm down, heal it? What uh, what what are we dealing with here? Because uh, some of us get a little uh, nervous about Eastern European big men with bad feet
2: for the uh, Timberwolves. Well, the biggest thing I hear you keep waiting for is to make sure that at some point it doesn't change and they find out it's something else than what they've been calling it. You know, the midfoot strain. They, they say they're just being precautious. He, they were ramping him up last week, you know, last a week ago Wednesday. He said, you know, he thought he'd be playing by last Friday's game against Oklahoma City, and on Thursday he worked it out pretty hard and got soreness. And Tibbs keeps saying, you know, that it's just a matter of. Um, They don't want it, you know, to to kind of be back and forth on it, send them out and have it get aggravated and they're going to have to sit them out more. So they wanted it to be completely, uh, pain-free and, um, you know, after it works out, not that kind of soreness. And apparently they're not there yet with it. And he, uh, he claims that it's not, you know, he's not worried that it's going to be long-term, but, uh, I think we're eight games and counting now on it. Yeah.
1: Hey, Jerry, he, uh, Jerry Zagone is with us. He uh, gave up on playing Shabazz here. How is there any explanation for how horrible he's been?
2: I don't get it. You know, he was in, you know, the, the kind of most energetic player in camp way back when in, in San Diego and had a decent preseason and, you know, he was down 220 pounds and, I don't know if part of it is him putting pressure on himself because, you know, contract. he turned down a lot of money from the Wolves, you know, when, when Gorgie signed. And uh, uh, now he's playing for the minimum and, you know, trying to prove that he's worth it. And I don't know if he's got it into his head, you know, because Tibbs keeps saying, you know, if you're not scoring, not shooting, just do other things, you know, play defense and do the other things. And he is such a scorer all his life that uh, I don't know if that message has gotten through yet. He thinks he's got a score and he's putting. He's put pressure on himself. But, yeah, he's had, what, four DMPs in the last uh, five games, I think. And, uh, you know, the question is, what, what, what do you do? How long do you wait on it? Um, I mean, they've got other guys who they can try. I mean, certainly not top NBA caliber, but uh, young guys. They've got uh, Marcus Georges Hunt, who's on the, on the roster. They've got Anthony Brown signed to the two-way contract. There are guys out there. They have you know, two roster spots. They have another two-way roster spot open. And they've got one kind of big league roster spot open. And, you know, you got dates coming up here like um, December 15th, which is a date uh, teams can start trading guys they signed last summer. I'm not sure the Wolves will do that. But uh, but what happens is there's always some deals that, that, that shakes out. And then you've got, uh, you know, 10-day contracts not coming that far after that in early January. So, you know, I don't know how long they wait on them or how long they, you know, either try to make a uh, – you know, move or signing or trade or something or, or just play with some other guys that they have just to see what they, what they got. Right now they're, they're asking uh, a little bit more of uh, Jamal Crawford and, and Gorgie Jang. And then they're, uh, you know, uh, even Tyus went from playing those four games where he was playing 38 minutes. Now he's only playing 10 or 11 a night because the Teague's back.
1: And I saw uh, one last thing. We only got about a minute left here. Patton hasn't played yet, right, for Iowa. He's, I just no, looked he's at the stats. To, he's
2: supposed to play tomorrow night, Okay, I think, that was the plan.
1: Okay, well, that would be good to get a little, you know, you could get 10 minutes of defense out of him. That would help things uh, later on here. So that
2: yeah, would be they, good. I have no idea where where they're uh, at with him, and I don't know if they do either until they get it, see him in some some games and, you know, get him back here for some practice. I know they like him. I know they like the, his skill set, but, you know, he's missed all the summer stuff. He missed all his camp. So I don't know what you can, what you can ask of him at this point. Uh, I would assume most of it will be in in the G League, but we'll see.
1: All right, Jerry. Uh, we still love you, even if uh, the coach doesn't. So thanks. All
2: right. <laughs> okay.
1: Ah, uh, that was. Uh, I, I think.
0: I think Tibbs and Jerry will be just. Oh, fine. they'll patch things They're up. Just fine. You know, it's maybe fine. he was just so tired from yelling at the players during the course of the <laughs> he game decided all Decided to night. pick on
1: poor Z. Yeah. What's the, wrong? Leave Leave our guy Jerry there, alone. Man's out there fighting fires to get to the game. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> driving to UCLA. Drove for, straight to the airport. Driving, yes, at three a.m. Does Tibbs appreciate that? Hell no! No! All right. Well, you guys have a good Friday football fun fest, and uh, I'll see you Monday.
3: This view was worth a hike.
2: Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of
0: my health.
3: Yes. I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Colagard is right for you. Or visit colagard.com.
4: I'm in.